Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, Hockey World. How are you doing? It's a fabulous Friday, maybe. Um, I don't know. Like definitive. Before Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, like my favorite Super Bowl skit of all time. I have to say one thing real quick is was the um, was Stephen Colbert a few years ago. Oh God! He, I know you don't like Stephen Colbert, which makes no sense. He's not funny. That's why. He's what? He is. He is he's not funny. funny. Yeah. He's yeah. He's incredibly funny and unbelievably intelligent, Mike. So just like we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Yeah. All right. Please. But um, but here, but a few years ago, he had the thing where you know he he the uh. He wanted to put out tweets about the Super Bowl, and the hat Twitter had this thing that hashtag. Oh my gosh, my dogs are making fear. Hashtags uh, once hashtag Super Bowl was not allowed, right? So he did this thing called hashtag Superb Al, and had like would keep bringing up this great big Al, and hashtag Superb Al. Of course, is the same, the same thing as hashtag Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you, your your dog is trying to save us from something. Oh, right. um, okay, Tony, right. we, we, gotta, we have a pre-show. We'll do scores at the very end. We're not going to talk Super Bowl. We have something else for you, Kev. So Mike and I were talking yesterday, and we came up with a list of four players who both all pitchers all had their although had their careers derailed, but were off to great starts. Some of them were fireballers, some weren't. And so, just some comments on each one. So like Mark Fidrich, we were all big fans. Obviously, he was in your city. Uh, I remember being very impressionable seeing him. Uh, before the All-Star game, during the All-Star game, I was like, wow, this guy's great. And then pff, what happened? Yeah, well. Um, I know, you know how he died. I meant his arm. Yeah, no, his arm, his his arm. Uh, yeah. He had uh, arm, arm issues. And, you know, this was before we had Dr. Andrews and, uh, you know, we knew how to deal with those kinds of things. And, you know, he kind of flamed out early. But, you know, what I remember about Fidrich is uh, his career started when I was in college and, I went down and actually did a pretty major piece on him because he was such the talk of Michigan, therefore the talk on campus. And he was the most delightful interview because, you know, he talked to the baseball on the mound yeah, and, yeah. and he, did, he didn't mind talking about it. You know, he just talked about, you know, confidence and, you know, he, if he talked to the baseball that, uh, you know, he felt like, uh, you know, that he was reminding himself, you know, what he was supposed to do and, uh, and it was really entertaining, and it was a, it was just a kind of a different era in sports when it wasn't so serious, and people, you know, weren't on social media yeah. dissecting everything you do. Like I, I don't know if what he did back then would work today. I agree with you. Yeah, because people would have would have made fun of him, and right. um, you know, so half the people would have said, oh, that's just ridiculous. And the other half would have said, no, it's fun. And, well, well I, I, I think to that extent, Kev, the, like the, the Al Roboski psyching yourself up or yeah. the Leo Lopez, like those sort of gimmicky, you know, those type of things probably wouldn't work today because people would, would criticize it. Now, the, another one on the list that, uh, that Russ and I were talking about, you got to see, so the sort of the after effect, the second half of this guy's career, which was Frank Tanana, who was as yeah. much a fireballer as Nolan Ryan with California in his first like four or five seasons. And then he blew out his arm and he became a sort of a journeyman and ended up his way in, way in Detroit and really developed a second career as basically a junk baller. Yeah, he was, he, you know, he went from being uh, like a sudden Sam McDowell throwing nothing but heat, and then he was Mike Quayliar the second half of his career where he was. Yeah, I remember you know, Mike Quayliar. Yeah. yeah, throwing, you know, screwballs and slow curves. and um, Jamie Moyer. Like Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jamie Moyer would be another yeah. example. And lefties, uh, um, you know, nowadays, like the changeup is, uh, you know, we talk about that all the time, but. Back then, uh, they didn't, but his ability to change speeds after, you know, he basically he had to teach himself how to pitch right. after his arm issue because he couldn't throw 
Um, you know, I don't know what they were throwing back then, you know, 95. He was definitely throwing 90, 90 something. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Definitely in the nineties, but I don't know what it was, but he was, he really was a flamethrower. Um, yeah. there's no doubt about it. And he wasn't very big. Like, you know, the monster throwers of that time were all kind of big guys. Uh, uh, but Tanan was a, a slightly built, uh, individual, but, uh, you know, and he was, he was gifted in both aspects of his, uh, his career. He was yeah. gifted when he was a fireballer and. Um, and he was gifted uh, when he was, uh, you know, kind of throwing the junk up there all the time. We got two more quickies. So one for me was Gary Gentry, 69 Mets, yeah, 13 wins, and then four or five seasons later he goes to Atlanta, and then he's done by the age of like 27, and he was so good in his rookie season. I remember him as a little kid, and, boy, he just was never the same after that first season. He had okay seasons, but nothing – he had 12 yeah. wins after that. that was well, he, he, people thought he would have the career that Seaver ended up having. Yeah. Yeah, people thought Gentry was the real deal, and he was going to be um, – you know, I remember getting his rookie uh, baseball card. Uh, I mean, we didn't pay attention to the rookie, but I remember getting yeah. his first card and, uh, you know, being kind of excited about that. Yeah, that yeah. A, you know, a young, uh, uh, young star and, uh, you know, just another one that – just never really was able to recover from the early arm issues. And, and the last one Mike remembers well, I remember well because he used to pitch against the Mets a lot, Don Gullett. He was an ace for a while, and then all of a sudden his arm just went. It was interesting, though, how when Seaver went to the Reds, Gullett went to the Yankees. And we don't know if that was like a result of them not getting along because he wanted to be the ace or the Yankees just looking for a better pitcher. I don't know. Yeah, I that I don't I don't I can't help you on that one. I don't remember yeah. that, that story. But but Gullett uh, was another guy that you know he you know he was a different pitcher in New York, obviously, than he was with the Reds. And oh yeah, uh, and uh, you know, and that was uh, you know I think age dictates um, you know uh, that sometimes you got to make changes. But yeah, that uh, he he I, you know he deserves to be on that list as well. But um, it it is interesting how. His career is uh, two distinct time periods. Yeah, you know the Reds and the yeah. Yankees. And, yep. and somebody brought up in the chat, but I don't think it's applicable. I mean, Kerry Wood threw ninety six, ninety seven after he blew right. out his arm. Mark Pryor would be the guy. Pryor would be a good yeah. one. Yes. And and yeah. you know, I all I know is in my Stratomatic baseball draft, I drafted Pryor like second or third overall, thinking he was going to be the next Greg Maddox, and then he blew out his arm, and he was never heard from again. So it's a it's a shame yeah. he had a great career. All um, right, I'm I, 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 talking to Beaker and well, 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 let Kevin finish. Oh, I was just going to say it, it. This doesn't fit with the category, but um, it does in one respect, and that is is that. I've said for a long time one of the most amazing seasons that I can remember as a fan of any sport was the year that Vita Blue went like twenty five and oh, four, yeah. or twenty four and five, right. and he was virtually unhittable. And I've told the story before, but the Tigers had a double header against him, and they had Mickey Lolich, who was a big strikeout artist. Oh, yeah. they, they couldn't be more different style of pitchers. Um, but instead of putting Lolich against Vita Blue. Uh, in a premier matchup, they just threw a sacrificial lamb against um, Vita Blue, and then let Lolich pitch the second game, so he wouldn't have to. Would, so the hope was we could at least get a split. Wow, that, that's funny. They, we, that, used that's have, we used to have we used to have intense arguments about who was better, Seaver or Vita Blue, and I think that was one of the All Star lineup. Like I think seventy three All Star game may have been like Seaver against Vita Blue. One of those was, and we had great arguments about it. Well, <laughs> I brought him up, though. I, I, I always felt like Vita Blue didn't achieve the success that I thought he was going to achieve based on that season. Just and he was okay with the Giants, but he didn't yeah, achieve no, no, I mean, it. Wasn't, it wasn't like he was had a bad career. I'm just saying you would have thought based on that one season that he was going to be one of the greatest players, uh, pitchers of all time. Yeah. Um, just because he was – I mean, he – you know, you watched him and he was just so untouchable. Like He it, was. You know, so anyway, I, I had a, actually an interesting experience with him at a, a fantasy uh, a tournament. Uh, uh, I wasn't involved in the game, but I was there for another reason. I watched the game as he was throwing against a bunch of fantasy teams. And this was after he'd retired. He was still throwing in the 80s. <laughs> and, and the guys said to him, um, it was at the, actually at the Field of Dreams in Iowa, where I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guys were saying, yeah, you know, hey, kind of let up a little bit. 
And Vita got a little ticked off, and he walked off the mound, and he walked up in front of the bench. They were all sitting in like a little league style uh, bench, and he walked up and goes, "Hey, you want to go home and tell your your buddies that you hit Vita Blue when he was throwing his best stuff? Or you want me to lob it up there for you and let you hit it? Then you get back and tell me you hit Vita Blue when he lobbed it underhand to you. So you make up your mind and let me know." And he stalked off. And went back to the mound, and then all the guys next time got up, and they they were all digging in. You know, <laughs> and one guy just got a piece of a of a fastball and fouled it off, and all the guys got off the bench and got on their knees and bowed to the guy for bite <laughs> blue, throwing it eighty plus miles an hour. In That's a, a good story. Well, yeah. you you talk you and we'll start for this. You talk about the difference between somebody who plays a sport recreationally and somebody who is a professional, I, and I. I can't remember what friend it was, but they were playing at a, a sort of a, 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 a rink in in suburban Buffalo, and this was when Rick Martin was alive. But he was in his he was in his fifties, so he, he had had major knee problems. So he was you know nowhere close to being what he was when he in his playing days in his twenties and thirties. He was out there skating, and he goes down the wing, no speed picks the corner from the blue line on the goal. I mean, it was like he if he wanted to score, he could score. If he wanted to deke these guys out, he could deke these guys out. And these were all guys who were playing in senior league. And it was a, the difference between that and a former NHLer who still had his skills. It, it's, it's like between – it's like here and here. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. I, let me tell one more baseball story before <laughs> we go. Uh, just because pitchers and catchers are going to report in two weeks. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I know I mentioned one time when I was on here recently that I went and saw Willie Horton just before yes, yes. holidays. I saw and the pictures on your Facebook page. On Facebook. I went and saw Willie. It was really unrelated to a book. But while we were there, we talked about I did a book with him 15 years ago. We talked about doing another one um, and perhaps uh, letting Willie talk a little bit some of the great um, black players of all time, most of whom he knew, the Larry Dobies yeah. and all those guys. And uh, – but you know what I didn't bring up that day is Willie told me that Jake Wood, if anybody remembers him, Jake Wood was a real slender second baseman, played for the Tigers in the no. sixth. So, but anyway, Jake Wood was still playing. It made me, when you were telling the story about that, made me think of this, still playing competitive baseball in an over 40 league when he was well into his 70s. Wow. Uh, he might still be playing, Willie said. So, yeah. you know, he's still playing in his 70s, playing competitive baseball. And he said he looks – Today, like he uh, did when he was, uh, you know, playing in the, the major leagues, you know, That's still amazing. Here and uh, get run and everything else. Uh, you know, you got to marvel, marvel at those guys that uh, you know love the game so much they just refuse to give it up yep. even when they stop paying them. Bill, Bill Lee still pitches too, as far as I know. And by the way, I am doing that book. I've got, I've got a contract with Willie Horton, so you'll see that book out in 2022. Great. Yeah. Just Thank remind you. us in 2022. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. I look forward to it. That's so cool. All right, let's get going here. Let's see what we got here. Friday, February 5th. Hello, Hockey World. It is Friday, February 5th, 2021. I'm Michael Agello, and Buffalo is preparing for Snowmageddon. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. It's nice and sunny here today. Mm. I'm Kevin Allen. I'm in Paw Paw, Michigan at my lake house, and we are inundated by snow. Very uh, nice. And I'm Eklund. Wishing I was there playing your pinball machines with you, Kev. Um, <laughs> watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, I wanted to start today, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, so I wanted to do some, I went to do some research and I talked to some of my sources at the NHL and um, I know Kevin's got more than I do, so let's see what, it, it, I don't know, if maybe you can um, give me your opinion or find out eventually about this too. There is a there is an issue rising and it's rising quickly and Mike kind of like touched on it a little bit yesterday and the issue is this, um, with all the teams obviously going to, we're not going to get to 56 games, we're going to have win percentage, right? That's going to be the way this is playing out. The NHL hates the win percentage concept because why? I mean, it's, it's hard to really like, what's the race? You know, like, where's the, where's the, your two points back three, you know, you know, if you win this game, you're going to have to be like, if you win this game, your winning percentage is this, or if you lose this game, your winning percentage is that. It's a, it's a mess. And the NHL hates it. And then the teams in the North, especially in the North where, you know, Canada is doing a better job and they think they might be able to, you know, play 56 games, don't think it's fair that they're going to play 56 games if other teams are going to play 40. And 
you know, and it's going to be, and the issue, the issue here that is really interesting is the NHL. I mean, that, that makes some sense. We saw that we saw Dallas, you know, with time off quarantine right now is not a bad thing for these teams. If we're talking about win percentage, if we're talking about not making up these games, quarantine is, you know, I'm just talking, of course, it's terrible. I'm not trying to be a jerk about that, but I'm just saying logistically from a hockey perspective, time thing, practice time. It's uh so it and and at the end you know the so these teams up in Canada could be still playing four games in six nights, four games in seven nights, while other teams are sitting around, you know, not doing anything. Uh, there's a there's an issue there, you know, that that's growing. Um, a concern, you know. Pat, what do you think about this? I mean, well, there- I I think that though that is an important issue, but I think there's a much bigger issue that's really percolated in the last mm-hmm. you know 24 hours, and that's just the all the whole COVID situation. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of concern out there that wasn't there a week ago yeah. because of the number of people who have, uh, are on the COVID list now, the number of teams that aren't playing, um, the discussion about uh, – I, I know for a fact that there are players who wonder if we should be playing at all. Um, right. And there's just real concern that we've got to kind of do things differently if we're going to get the season in now. Yeah. And yeah. I would have never have said that a week ago. I know when, before the season started – I said, okay, we saw the NFL. We know not to panic just to, because if we have a few. But I think this has gotten to be more concerning than we anticipated it was going to be. Right. And, uh, I know from talking to people this morning, uh, there's been a lot of uh, questions being raised about, you know, changing the protocol. Now the discussion is we're going to get the rapid test perhaps. Yes. Uh, that's a lot more costly, number one. But it's also not as trustworthy. Right. And you have false negatives, false positives. So what happens if there's a false positive uh, in the morning and that player doesn't play and it's a big game uh, because they're all big now. But, you know, and then you find out the next day he's negative and you're going, oh, boy. Um, But, you know, the current system isn't working because it's 24 hour lag time. And then you have situations like Buffalo in New Jersey. Right. When the Buffalo players right. are, I guess, from what I'm being told, in sense that everyone suspected that the Devils uh, had uh, multiple cases, and yet they were allowed to play the game, and now right. Buffalo's got issues. And well, the, the way right. that the way that played out, Kevin was was laughable, and I think the league, the you know, the league should be held to account for it because, from what I understand, Travis Zajac tested positive or was in the in the covid protocol on the day before the two game series. He didn't play, they sequestered him. They played the game on Saturday. Kyle Palmieri tested negative before the game, tested positive after the game, and then the Sabres were basically asking the NHL and the Devils, what's going on? Give us more information here. Should we should we postpone the game? They got no information from either one. Palmieri sat out and then after the second game Two Sabers were tested, and they had, they hadn't had a positive before that. Now two Sabers tested positive, then two more the following day, then seventeen Devils in the in the next couple of days, and then Ralph Kruger gets it yesterday. So I was watching a super spreader event, that one in the Colorado Minnesota game that Russ and I were watching a couple of days ago. Those yeah. were both super spreader events, and and I think that doubling up on the rapid test along with the, I think it's the PR PCR test. I think that's a that's a good that's a good method. I don't care if it costs more money. I mean, personally, I mean, I'm sure yeah. the NFL does. Yeah, but- I, I think they do. But I think the the bigger concern is is the fact that uh, you know some people have said it's only a fifty percent reliability. In terms right. Fifty percent is not good. No. But they're doubling up. They're, I mean, they're not eliminating the other tests. They're doing no. the rapid and the right. And no, the right but that's going to have an impact on competition. Yeah, but Mike, you could like do the other test and flip a coin, and it's not any better, really. Sure. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't, <laughs> you know. You're right because you know I have heard fifty percent. On the other hand, it's got to be better than that, or they wouldn't be doing. You would hope. This is this is where I think. I mean, maybe down the line, if this continues, that might be the the approach that the NHL takes. But just what happened yesterday in terms of what the NHL announced tells me they're not ready to say we're going to limit it to forty games or whatever because. In the interim, while Colorado and Minnesota and Vegas were all shut down for a week, they rescheduled St. Louis and Arizona 
to move games from March yeah. in February. So that tells me they're still trying to get 56 games and they will probably do so. And I think the only thing that they're going to do right now is if games down the line are meaningless, meaning like the equivalent of the Cubs versus the Pirates. Heard that too, yeah. That they'll just not play those games. Yeah. yeah. Get, but, but you, know, you, you, you know, they still have to stop the bleeding before they can address all that. And mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah, they have, definitely have to stop the bleeding. Yeah, that's, and I think that's a, a, has become a big issue, and I think there's a lot of discussion about it. I saw the quote from uh, Bill Daly to uh, Pierre Lebrun, and I thought it was telling when he basically said, uh, and I don't remember the wording of it exactly, but he said, everything is back on the table. Right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, you know, start, you know, basically going to say, okay, if we were starting today, what, what should we do? And, yeah. You know, I think they've gone to school on this. And as much as I used to say, well, we learned from the NFL, but it was going to be different because yeah. you know, they're only playing uh, 16 games and we're going to play 56. And I said, you know, we got to expect the players would be gone for multiple games, not just one like in the mm-hmm. NFL. But it's been even greater than that. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, you know, there's been the number of instances has been greater than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I, I was probably naive, but. I, uh, but I but I bet I wasn't alone in thinking that the NHL players were going to be better at um, staying away from COVID than they have been. Um, and, and maybe it's not their fault. Maybe this reflects yeah. the more the uh, their families. I mean, the, well, no, no. I think the the fact that the it's now said that the the COVID nineteen strains are more transmissible. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, you know so. Everyday life, like you know, I was watching a thing now where the guy said, "I don't even go to the grocery store anymore," and he is an epidemiologist. Wow, you know, you know, if there's a guy who knows more about it than most right. people, and he says that he doesn't go to the grocery store anymore, I think that tells you something. So well, there, there was apparently there was apparently a medical study between uh, involving the NFL and the CDC where they they came to the conclusion where. COVID couldn't be transmissible on the field. But the only problem is that the NFL is playing in the outdoors. Right. And, right. and, and that's why, like, you know, we, we've seen the, the most recent protocols where they're taking out the glass and they're going to have air filters and things of that nature. I mean, I, I think it's worth a try. I just don't know whether, I mean, honestly, you, you have to admit, based on the example of Buffalo, New Jersey, and Colorado, Minnesota, that it can be transmitted during a game because there's no other explanation. I, I would say this. I mean, this would be hard to do, but if they could elongate the bench and the guys could be further away from each other yes. on the bench, that would be the answer. But I get that that might be too hard to do. I mean, I think the the answer would be, would be I've said this before, like full face shields like you would use in college. It, like. But they won't do it. Like I think you're right, but they won't do it. I mean, that 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 would cut a lot of this out. I mean, that would really be. Yeah, but know, the air. But even with a full face shield act, the air is getting still air. I know, I know, and I get that. I get that. But you know, at least that would be a a movement towards something. Well, let's let me ask Kevin the same thing I asked yesterday, Kev. When the season before the season started, we were sort of under this illusion that arenas were going to get these new HVAC systems or upgraded HVAC systems yeah. to help with this, and it doesn't seem like they did. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. Um, you know, you're right. There was discussion about that, but I I really haven't even looked at that uh, whether you know teams did that. Right. Um, you know, I think the answer to this is all of the above. And you know, like none of us should you know act like we know all about this virus because we yeah, don't. But time. but you know, uh, we're all just you know kind of grasping at straws here. But one thing we do know is from watching, and I think every fan knows this as well, is that it can't continue on like this. Like, it has to get better. Like, we can't continue to have, for the rest of the season, three and four and five teams out not playing uh, at the same time. Because we'll never be able to make them all those games. And that leads us right to where Eklund started this conversation, is what are we going to do when we get to the end? And we got some teams with 43 games and some with 49. And will that become an issue? I think it already is. Yeah, I think they are going to address it. But I think the bigger concern now from what I'm hearing is, you know, there's probably I would guess there's a summit going on as we speak in terms of, you know, Donald Fear and Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and, you know, uh, experts. Um, I guess Fauci wasn't Fauci, the NHL. Yes. All those people are probably discussing about, you know, what they can do because, 
you know, as I said, you can't, we can't continue on like this. Right. And have a, a kind of season. You know, we have to, at some point, we have to get to the point where we're playing 98% of our games. Well, um, I, I think we are, we are where we are right now in the NHL, where we were in, I would say, Late July, late July, early August, with Major League Baseball and Miami and St. Louis yeah. all shut down, and everybody thought there's no way they're going to finish the season. And then it sort of cleared up. But the only difference is we're in February right now, as opposed to August, and we're playing indoors instead of outdoors. But you look at what happens. Well, really Mike, that just to go along with that for a second, the thought about that too is that you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, there is there's going to come a point where I'm not saying you know. A lot of people are getting vaccinated yet, but you're also are seeing cases drop a little bit. And some people are saying the case dropping is just a, is just the idea that it's out there. Enough people have gotten it already that it's going to start dropping. Like the people who are going to get it are going to, yeah. you know, or the people who are not living carefully are not going to get it again. Well, so, that, and that's see that that's what I was going to ask Kevin because I mean the difference between the NHL and the NBA right now because you know in the NBA the players on the bench are sitting further apart from each other with masks when they're not playing as opposed to players in the NHL that are sitting shoulder to shoulder on the bench without masks so I think that's a co contributing factor but at a certain point don't you think the NHL has got to say we've got to get the vaccine for our players? Well, I don't. You can't jump the line, and I don't. Right. I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, uh, I, I just don't see them doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, I, I like even the simplest things. Like they aren't doing, and this I hated this in college football, in particular, in the NFL mm -hmm. as well. Is coaches that think they have to pull their mask down? They do in the NHL too to talk. Why I know, not? like I periodic conversation in a mask. Yeah. Why can't they? I'll do I it know. every freaking day. I know we sit there, you know. Yeah, and you I, like, I, I don't understand why they all feel they have to pull the mask down to talk to the. I know Brenda Moore was doing that last night. It was driving me crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, like, I, what, what, what's, what's the deal? Like, why can't you do that? Like, I, I guess I'll tell you what it is. They want the ref to see the frustration on their face, but if you're yelling through your mask, uh, I think they'll okay. get it. Wave your arms, then. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think you'll get it. I think you will get it too because aren't we all getting a little bit better at reading people's eyes? You know, like I am. Yeah. I'm in yeah, that situation. Yeah, sure. you know, you're definitely, you know, I couldn't before, you know, I couldn't necessarily tell what my wife was thinking if she had a mask on that made me crazy. I'm like, geez, you know, like, I mean, you know, I, I just, you oh, know, you read, no, <laughs> we all know what our hey, wife heck, is. There's not a man in the world that knows what their wife is thinking. I don't know. I'm yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I know how that sounded, but what I meant. It was a really easy shot, so thanks for taking it. But um, <laughs> I have no expertise in this. <laughs> you know that I am that I'm a, that I like I pay a lot of attention to to what people around me think and 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 really you know do my best to help them in any way again. And it's hard to it, it makes you crazy like not being able to read them it's better. You know, it, it, for a while now I'm starting to not feel that anymore. I'm starting to really feel that I can read them um, better. I and, you know, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, you know, what I mean, when you've been and back with when I was going to the supermarkets, now we've, we've gone back to uh, ordering and having it delivered. But like when you went down an aisle and you wanted to say you're sorry, you tried to say it extra loud, because, yeah, right? Because you're afraid that they're going to just think you're an ogre. I don't want people to think, you know, well, that I'm being rude. So right, just, right. Just from just from the media perspective, I have to tell you the number of Zoom calls that I've been on with people who are in the arena, and because they're in the arena, they're wearing the masks, and it's you can't hear what they're saying. I mean, that's how it sounds. You can't yeah. understand them. Yeah, I guess that. That I don't know. I, I'm 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 now. I mean, when at first, like Russ and I are what we're good. 10 feet apart or something like right, that. But if we're going to ask a question, we could go out in that other area where we're allowed to eat. We can't, but you, and, but you, and, I, you and I now talk to each other during the game. No, we do, but I'm saying if yeah. you want to ask a question during the post game, we could go to the other area where right. we eat and take our mask off. Right. And there are, we, we all have our own table. You can sit at, yeah, right. that's true. We can do that too. Yeah, there's, I mean, there is it, a way. I think that, you know, the NHL is going to try to do everything they can. If they don't play, that brings up all kinds of things about, you know, what it, it, paying the players and all that stuff is going to come back. But Eck and I do talk loudly. We're kind of like the crowd noise sometimes. <laughs> it, I feel weird. I mean, we try not to talk loudly. Like, but uh, but it, it's just, you know, we are a little bit away from each other, and the arena is freaking dead silent. So it's hard to, it's hard to not, you know, be heard. But And we're kind of off. But fortunately, we're off to, like, we're on, on one of the ends, so we can, like, right. We're not like in the middle of the media. No, no. Let, let, let me let me let me bring up the uh, the 
big story of the week and and get Kevin's uh, input on it. Um, Anthony D'Angelo uh, and the Rangers, Kev, he's never going to play a game for them again. They've made that pretty clear when uh, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon came out and, and said that earlier in the week. Um, there's apparently clearly based on the reports of guys like Darren Drager and Larry Brooks, there's clearly interest in D'Angelo, even though a lot of people are a little surprised that they're, the team's willing to take him on. What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of this situation? Well, I've been surprised so many times this season. Like, I was stunned when Jim Rutherford uh, resigned, and uh, uh, I was uh, surprised that, you know, Winnipeg and, and Columbus could complete that deal uh, that made that big trade. And you can really knock me over the fact that, you know, right after that happened, I talked to a couple of general managers about something else, and I asked them about that, and I said, boy, you know, he's they're going to send him home because who's going to take that? sort of issue on and then uh, next thing i know they're talking about calgary offering a, a good draft pick in order to to get them and i you know i'm assuming that there's some validity to that um but i'm, I'm actually surprised uh that i am too kev but i think it's one of those things where like you're car shopping and you're kind of testing it you may be testing it to see how your fans are going to react you're maybe testing it to see how the money part of it's going to react but it doesn't mean you're going to do it until it's actually done. Well, here, here's my take on it when I actually gave it some thought. I thought nobody would mess with it because chemistry is such an important issue, and you don't want a guy that um, has trouble with authority. And that's been the, the big issue there. You know, he doesn't react well when Quinn has tried to correct what he considers bad uh, habits. And, um, you know, he just can't seem to not say the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Especially when he's mad. Yeah, when he's mad. So just a hot temper thing. And that that doesn't normally work in hockey. People are (laughs) reluctant to mess with chemistry. But I think when I thought about it, this this is what I think. Like, like for example, like you're not going to bring D'Angelo, in my opinion, into a room like the Detroit Red Wings where they're trying to establish new chemistry and trying to get a young captain and Larkin. Mike and I said the same thing when we saw that report. But you might take him like – you know, Tampa, you know, they're not going to do it because they got rid of him first. But right. Tampa's looking for a right shot defenseman. Like, this would probably work in Tampa because this is my thought. Uh, right. D'Angelo, like, that room is so settled yeah. and established that he's not going to go in there and make waves. You know, he's probably going to be a shrinking violet among, you know, Hedmond and uh, Stamkos and, and, and that, that crew. He's probably not going to say a word or not much. But in New York, where they didn't have a captain, where there's still a team in flux about who's the leader and who's going to do what, and you know he was friends with a lot of the younger players there, he had more license to do that. So, you know, I, I think you just take stock of your uh, your room and uh, how strong you think your leadership group is, and as as Russ just said rightly, then you weigh in how much or will the Rangers eat some of his salary. You factor in that he's, you know, he didn't look good early on, and the, yeah, but then you see that from last season, and you look good on my power play, and uh, yeah, I think I, maybe a team is going to take a chance on him. I, I'm not. It's so funny. I've tried. I've talked to a few teams that I thought really would take a chance, and they were absolutely adamant that they wouldn't. So well, I don't. But but yeah. but act. It only takes one or two. I mean, no, sure. I mean, I'm not saying. Me- Give, give me a dollar for every time an NFL team took a chance on a wide receiver or a defensive back or a running back who got in trouble with the law in one place, but they said, we can reform him. We can make, you know, we can, we can get something out of him that the other team doesn't and they take a chance. And then the guy does the same thing that he did in the previous place. And then they say, Oh, we've learned our lesson, but then yeah. the guy gets another chance. I mean, Pac-Man Jones is an example of that in the NFL. Well, let me, let me ask Russ this because uh, he's really in, in in tune with football. But doesn't it make a difference that in football we have a fifty-three person dressing room, yes. and in hockey we have an eighteen? Yeah, uh, you know, twenty. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I agree. I agree. I mean, you could literally, if you're on offense and other guys on defense, you could ignore a guy on your whole on your own team most of the week. Right. <laughs> now, now, now the thing yeah. is that the, the reports the reports are that Cal- Calgary. 
Uh, I heard this morning that Anaheim is interested in him, which would make sense because they can't score goals and they need maybe need to generate some offense from the blue line. Um, I think he's going to, I think they're going to find, find a home for him. I, I don't, I, I'm a little surprised because I thought he would end up getting bought out by them at the end of the year. But I think that's the thing, Kev, a, well, team, a team can trade for him. And if it doesn't work out, they can buy him out for, for little or no money at the end of the year. Well, there is still money. There will still be but money against. What I think was Mike, you were brought up too about how, um, uh, you know, the, the, it, it, there's some little bit of confusion about how it's going to work out. Like we've had two reporters who are almost always right being opposite sides on this. We've had yeah. Elliot Friedman say they're willing to eat some money. And then I think it was Pierre uh, or, or Drager. I, I, I don't know which one. One of, one of them said. Bob, Bob, it was Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie yeah. said they're not willing. That's right. It was Bob. You're right. It was Bob. Bob said. Um, they're not willing to eat money. I'm, well, I'm going to tell you what I think happened there, Kev. I know the Rangers a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of them got a source or spoke to Jeff Gordon, and the other one got a source and spoke to James Dolan. That's what I think happened. Well, I think what happened is, is they originally thought they'd have to eat money, and then there were so many teams interested. They said, yes. well, maybe we don't have to eat money. That's what I think. That may, yeah. that may be right, too, yeah. Uh, it would be shocking, really, really shocking. Now, now the other, the other thing, the other thing, Kev, is the and and these aren't big names, but after the Line A Dubois thing, where both of them essentially asked to be traded, you've had this slew over the last week, week and a half. Vince Dunn, Victor yeah. Mete, Sam Bennett, they're all asking to be traded. There's only one problem: they're not Dubois and they're not Line A. No, no. And the other thing, the uh, that's happened each of, in each of those cases, the Red Wings have been listed as a team that could desperately use either one of those uh, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Don and, and Bennett. Yeah. You know, Bennett has been, uh, people thought he was going to be a great of greater offensive force than he's been. And he's never been able to, you know, climb the, uh, the ladder to get into that top six consistently, um, you know, to produce points. And I think he's looking for an opportunity where he can do that. Cause I think he still thinks, you know he's uh, you know he's he's an offensive guy, so I understand that. And Vince Dunn, uh, you know they don't they've got other guys that are ahead of him on their pecking order, and um, I'm sure he feels like he's being slighted there as well. And to be honest with you, in Dunn's case, like if he came to Detroit, he'd be the at uh, least the first or second uh, uh, point man on the power play. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then and he, yeah, he. I mean, and Dunn has Dunn has some. I think there are. I think for both Dunn and Bennett, there are teams out there that are interested. Well, definitely for Dunn. I mean, Dunn, Dunn has some defensive skills for sure. He will yeah. lay hits, and he is an offensive defenseman too. Someone will want Vince Dunn. Yeah. Well, um, Chris Johnston on uh, on Hockey Central this morning said that the Leafs are interested in, in Bennett, but he doesn't know whether they have like the right piece to that Calgary would want for him. It's like that, that's the thing, I, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. When a guy is the first draft pick of a general manager and he's picked fourth overall, the general manager has a little of a bit of a tough time separating the fact that this was a high draft pick and he expects to get the the equivalent value for that player, Kev. And you're not going to get the equivalent value for Sam Bennett in the mind of Brad for living because that's all gone. The fourth yeah. overall pick is gone. No, no, that this is like a Niedermeyer situation when he was such a yes, you know, pick. Yep. And uh, he didn't, uh, you know, turn out to be the scorer that people thought he was. And then they moved him for whatever they moved him for. Right. Um, and then people respected him. And, that, you know, we could see that with Bennett where um, once he leaves Calgary and maybe he's going to be a great number uh, third liner. Um, yeah, right. And he could be. You know what? I, I have a – here's my advice for Calgary. Um Work on your power play and work on at the end of the game with the extra man on the ice. They were embarrassing yesterday at late in that game against Winnipeg. Uh, I think they should focus on that and not bring anybody else into it because I don't think it's going to fix what I was seeing on the ice. They've, they've got to actually fix their structure first. I, I've got something to bring up. I think we'll have fun talking about this. This is an Eklund moment that, uh, that we can talk about. And uh, first of all, I want to tell people, you know, the four of us have a group uh, text and, uh, one of my favorite moments of this season is uh, during the uh, playoff game with the Green Bay Packers, 
when Eklund, who mostly is all hockey all the time, <laughs> but does pay attention to other sports, was just beside himself that Aaron Rodgers did not run in for a touchdown. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, he just said he Eck thought that he had an open lane. Yeah. And uh, even though Russ said, you know, uh, you know, he's not as fast as he used to be. And, and I thought that linebacker may have, may have thought might have gotten him and everything. Yeah. Else. But uh, Eklund loves those situations. And, wow. and I do too. Uh, although when I was used to read comic books when I was a kid, I hated the what if scenarios. I didn't oh, know yeah. yeah. what yeah. if Superman, but uh, no, that wasn't me. But one last night, and I when I was uh, 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 thinking about it, I thought, boy, Eklund must love this. Okay, Joel <laughs> Quinville. This is Panthers, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they score the goal uh, that brings them to five four, uh, Nashville and Florida. So right. the Panthers are up five three. Nashville scores five four. It's a close goal. Could go either way. Quenville protests. You yeah, know, he's gonna go for it. <laughs> he challenges, yeah. Challenge. Yeah, he's wrong. Uh goal stands, two yep. minute power play, Columbus or a Nashville scores. Amazing. Yeah. Two minute power play with two oh six remaining in the third yes. period. Then they win the game. Now yeah. Eklund, were you screaming, Why are you challenging that? You've got a one goal lead with two. I was, I really I was. And it's like I was watching the game and you know, um, I like both teams, so I knew it was an important game for Nashville to win. Duchesne getting a couple goals was really important, obviously. Um, Florida, you know, I like the like I like the fact that they haven't lost in regulation yet. It's it's cool. It's a cool. They're both two two interesting stories. I was furious, yeah, and I'm furious, but I'm furious again at the at the concept of it, like that that we you know in in the NFL at least, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you know that when you have a challenge towards the end of a game or whatever, it, there, there's a, like a goal would automatically be looked at. In the NFL, if we use NFL rules, right? Like yeah. the goal just automatically be looked at. Why, to me, this whole concept of challenging at the end of a game? Um, why don't Why aren't we just trying to get it right? Like, what's the point of that? Like, wh wh why are we penalizing people? Well, it's for that? in case they don't get it right. Eck. Why, <laughs> it's, why like, we, it's like doubling because, down. Because on the they're, they're trying they're trying to prevent teams from using the review as a timeout. Oh, but like, yeah, you get that. But in the last five minutes, if we have a, if we have a goal. Shouldn't every goal be looked at pretty pretty quickly? Especially in the last five minutes, you want teams are going to want to use a timeout. Yeah, but still, if, if there's a controversial aspect to it, I mean, just the the, the concept that you have to take this chance that he, that, that Quenville's put in this position is ridiculous to me. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I was more with, with three minutes with under three minutes. I know it made no it sense. Automatically be reviewed. I was it watching it. Be reviewed. Yeah. I mean, that he sits there and he's got to say, okay, I don't think that's a goal, but if man, if I'm wrong. Uh, that that's that's ridiculous. It cost him a game, but I was watching that game and I felt the same way. But I was more appalled at the goaltending on both sides. The goals <laughs> that some of these guys were giving up. You know, honestly, UC Saros, one of the power play goals, he literally threw himself across the crease, completely out of position. Like it's like you were better off just standing in the middle and seeing if they could find it. Like, oh, yeah. He was completely out of sorts. Bob, his last two goals were awful. Looked like he had no sense of how to stop a puck. Like yeah. the goaltending in that game was just awful. And Eck, you wrote a column earlier in the week, or you did, you know, posted the question of the worst contract in the league. There is no doubt anymore. No, it's Bob Bobrovsky at ten million for six more years. Not even close. Is a boat anchor. It really is. It's an albatross. Well, uh, particularly when you factor in who's waiting in the wings right. and what yeah. that may mean for their ability right. to keep well, him. Right. Well, right. well, well talking about Spencer Kev, Knight, obviously. Kevin, yeah. my conspiracy theory, because Russ was Russ said in our in our group text that he had heard that Spencer Knight is probably going to sp spend another year. He might. He might spend might. another year in college. And as immediately, my and me being the consp the conspiratorial mind that I am, I'm thinking Jimmy VC part two. He's going. He's going to. You know, play it out. Say he's going to turn pro. Wait until August fifteenth and make himself a UFA. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to do it. You're not alone in that. Yeah, I mean, there's been widespread speculation about yeah. about that. Well, you know, yeah. why does he want to go to a team where he's blocked? Uh, he's blocked. Yeah. I mean, that, there's another. There's the. There's a. I have a crazy stat, and it, it involves that game too. And this, this, Wait, this, you have no comment about UC Soros? He's not going to bring them to the playoffs. No, not, there's, there's no debating how terrible the goaltending was. Leslie. Oh, no, okay. And that game, I mean, Soros, you know, Rene, it just who knows? I mean, they, in, it's crazy. Both of those teams, I mean, for the Panthers to blow that lead 
and yeah, I granted you, you know, we've seen some leads go. I mean, we saw the Flyers blow the leads to the Bruins the night before. We've seen some leads go in this year for sure. We've seen yes. teams. Are you, are, you calling, Eklund, are you calling for Carter Hutton to go back to the Nashville? <laughs> <laughs> right now, yes, you're right. I think I think the Sabres would oblige. But but the, with Thomas Grace, bring both the, of them in. The theme of Thursday night, and I'm stealing Russ's line here. The oh. theme of Thursday night was bad goaltending. And I'll right. tell you, me, before you go on to that, Mike, let me just finish my one though. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. that's a great point. And I do want to get into that. But here's the that that game. Now, the Predators are five and five. Okay, they're they they are five and five. They're they are. They, sometimes we talk about teams that are better or worse than their record. The Predators are way worse than five and five. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's not even close that they're way worse. And and the proof in the pudding is I saw this this and it's just unbelievable. They have led in their games five point seven percent of the time, the entire season. <laughs> That's a tremendous stat. I love it. <laughs> Less than six. So and and here's the other thing about that: if you take away the first two games, which they were leading like late in the game for a few minutes in the third period, if you take away that. And just go from the last eight games. In the last eight games, they have led three percent of the time. Three percent of the time, like that—that that is just like unbelievable. I mean, in eight games, you've led three. Now, they, the win games they've won, they've won three games in overtime in that period of time. So they didn't, and they didn't lead in those games at all. In fact, the games that they lost, they were leading in in the three percent of the time. You can't um, say they're not clutch. I, it just—it is the most unbelievable thing that you. You can you can be five and five and only be ahead for less than six percent of the time. Like but that. Russ, Russ, give us give us the the all time bad performance from yesterday that you were, we were talking about. You know, now I'm not remembering who was uh, it. That would be former Maple Leaf James Ryan Reimer. Yes, yeah. so Reimer, I have to tell you, I mean he he gave up two goals in that game late in that game that were just brutal. One of them was. Um, Oh, who's the player? Was it Hagel from Chicago? And all he did was literally go down the ice and pull off one deke and Reimer like went moved completely out of position. And it was an easy goal. And I was like, man, this is this is their goalie for the next month. He's their starting goalie, unless the Yelkovic wins the job. They are in serious trouble. And I know James Reimer has a 915 save percentage, but that's because of his defense. If he gets in situations where it's one-on-one -on -one or the defense is just a little off, right? Boy, he was just not good. And Kevin, this is this is symptomatic. I mean, I, I look at Carolina, and if you look at their defense, and if you look at their young forwards, I think they're Stanley Cup final caliber. And I just don't know why they went into this season with Morazic and Reimer. Well, Morazic was playing well, uh, for one thing, at the start of the – I mean, uh, this injury came at a bad time. Like, he was probably hot as he's ever been. Uh, he was playing well. But, uh, you know, I I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm hopeful to talk to Don Waddell today, actually, to ask him kind of about, uh, you know, the goaltending. And, uh, um, you know, that's that's a really difficult uh, injury for, you know, for them uh, to get at this time because I think they were playing – better than anyone in their division. Well, here's something you could ask, Don. Um, we, I was looking it up yesterday when I was talking to Mike. I like Kachikov, and he's actually on a hot streak now. He's 21 years old. He's playing in the KHL. He has switched teams. Last year wasn't a great year, but it looks like he's turned it around. He was highly touted. They took him in the second round. I kind of wonder if the season, when the season ends, I don't know his contract status, would they bring him over and take a look at him? I'll ask him about him. Uh, that, that's one of the – one of the questions that uh, I, I can uh, you know, put to him, but um, yeah, yeah, like there's been a lot of talk about whether Darcy Kemper is available, um, and I was asking around about that this morning, um, and somebody said uh, that uh, that Col Colorado was the team they thought was going after him, and I said, well, but Joe Sackick has said that you know that he has faith in uh, Grubauer, and Grubauer is actually uh, at the uh, you know, he, he was, I think he's won four in a row and he, like, he's right. playing great. Like, this right. Is, but Francis has a knee injury now. Pardon me? Francis went down with a knee yeah, injury. Yeah, no, but that was before. So, yeah. Um, so now, you know, they got Grubauer going well. But, you know, he pointed out, he made a good point to me. He said, you know, this is the time you make a trade like that. Yes. Like you're desperate. 
Right. Um, nobody, they all want to charge you too much, and then you can't make a reasonable. If, they, if they get good goaltending, they could win the Stanley Cup. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 the Avalanche are almost a bottomless pit of prospects. They oh, have yeah. so many good. Yeah, young although the the one thing that I haven't been able to ascertain is whether or not Arizona is really going to move him. Uh, there seems to be some doubt about that. Well, so you we'll, don't we'll think see. they want to save the as much money as they can. Well, people said that, but they they didn't do that. Like they could have traded him last yeah. off season, right? Um, so. Well, he's got an, he's got another year, and that's what, that's you know, like I mean, he's got one more year at four and a, I think it's four and a half. Well, I, but I know that they had offers for him. Yeah, I mean, and they were and, you know they could have traded him, and they chose not to. So now I, I want to bring this up because we've talked about that this this week, and okay, again, this is. You know, it's superficial, but it, I think it's fun to discuss. Last night I watched a bit of the Montreal-Ottawa game. It was an entertaining game. Ottawa really played well, their second win of the year. But the d- distracting thing, Kevin, about this game was that the, the Habs were wearing their third jersey, which was the blue jersey. Uh, you know, it basically it flipped it flipped the blue with the with the classic red Habs jersey. It was so distracting that I could not enjoy the game. That's how that's how bad it was. the The only one of the of these reverse retro jerseys, I, I'd say there are two: the Minnesota Wild jersey that was the green and gold um, for for the Minnesota Minnesota North Star colors, and the and the purple and gold of the or excuse me, forum blue and gold of the LA Kings. Uh, that that jersey, those were okay. The rest have been brutal. Yeah, capital B, and I, 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 you know, I mean, I understood why they did it, but it's just, I, I so far it's been pretty bad. Yeah, I've I've seen people say you're you're just talking to the wrong guy about that. You know, <laughs> you know I, I, you know, when I see something I like, like I, I liked Minnesota's as well. I didn't mind Pittsburgh. I when Dallas was thing, I, I thought it was kind of the neon was kind of cool. You know, so when I like them, I notice it. Right. But I, I don't really care if I don't like him. It didn't I, bother Russ, me in the least. Russ is your guy. He once commented on a guy's pants. I, I did. That was talk about anyone's pants, but I think it was DiPietro. It Russ was, it was Rick DiPietro, yes. It was DiPietro. It where Russ commented on. But he was up in the booth. He wasn't on the ice. On the ice, I don't yeah, care yeah. what they were. <laughs> but I, I really am the wrong guy. But, I, you know, you're not alone. I, I mean, I see it on social media. People are outraged at some of well, these, and you know I just kind of struggle. But some of them, a couple of them I've liked. Most of them I've just said, eh, well, yeah. Well, Kevin, th- this is the thing. The one I've been the hardest on has been was the Leafs jersey because it's, yeah, it, because um, it you know they substituted the gray with the white, and the only white thing on the jersey was the patch honoring George Armstrong, and that was the only thing that you could see on it. You couldn't read the numbers watching it on TV, and I contacted a friend of mine who was in the television industry, and he's like, "Okay, you're in a year where nobody's in the stand and everybody's watching the watching the the the, the games on television. Would you think that it's important that you can see the numbers on the jersey?" Yeah, no, that. That, that that's a valid because I've uh, heard uh, uh, broadcasters have said that they haven't been able to uh, identify them. So see, some of these guys they're watching these games on television when they're on the road and trying to broadcast them. So you know, right, right, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, speaking of that, and you know, another thing that happened last night um, that you know you don't think about, but um, Ryan Johansson went out in the second period. But because, you know, Nashville is broadcasting off of Florida feed, uh, um, they they didn't really notice. So there was no reporting of Johansson not being on the ice. And, of course, that that led to Twitter speculating, wow, he's being benched. Or, he's been traded. He's been traded. All, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it turned out he was hurt. But, you know, they're not there. You know, the, the feed is primarily emphasizing the, uh, you know, the Florida players. Uh, so, you know, they don't really kind of know what's going on. It really puts broadcasters in a really difficult. Yeah, they really, they, they aren't easy to see when you're there. I mean, honestly, like we, we were the Flyers the other night. I couldn't tell 
James Van Riemsdyk from Scott Lawton half the time. Like, I'm just like completely, you know, I'm still always going to be confused by, and, and funny people, the people, the fact that JVR was 21 for the Flyers for a long time, came right. back at 25, screws me up all the time anyway, because I'm old. Yeah. But, um, but you know, the, uh, but the other night, you guys can't, you couldn't, I mean, I'm 10 rows from the ice and I can't read these numbers. That's like, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, I'm close. It's true. I mean, it's really ridiculous. It's like, how the hell is that? I mean, and, and I know they're just, they're designed to be something that looks good online, you know, with a hot girl wearing them or, you know, you know, somebody who obviously would never watch a hockey game because we don't have that, that hip of people as the people that they use in the, uh, in the, in the NHL.com commercials are way hipper than anyone who watches NHL hockey. Um, but but it's it's funny, and then you know that's like, and they're they're good. They're meant to look good hanging up in a store, which they do. But you know, on the ice, you uh, should mention act that Alex Ovechkin is now seventh on the all-time list after his goal last night. I think he passed Gartner, and I think he's eight away from Esposito. And that Esposito number is a big number. Like in his era, Esposito was the best goal scorer. He yeah. was, and the fact that Ovechkin's doing it with some tread left on the tire is pretty impressive. Yeah, oh, um, it feels and, like you're in a prime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the performance of the night was 37 year old Jason Spezza scoring a hat trick, albeit against a hapless Vancouver. Yeah, but they were nice goals, Mike. I mean, they were they like, were, no, oh no, no, I'm I'm saying I'm, 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 goals. I mean, that was just like they were they were beautiful shots. They were great. The hat, the hat trick goal was where where he where he he boat raced uh, Alex Edler, who was completely out to lunch. Um, I have to say though, it's like it, it's a far cry, and you have to go back to this. Mike Babcock scratched him on opening night. Yeah, which is why I'm, I, I feel good. I mean, Spezza is one of the nicest people. He I've is. Ever He's a great out. guy, and, and I couldn't feel better for it. Like I couldn't feel happy. And he goes to Toronto because that's where he wanted to play as a kid. And he puts yeah. on that, and he's like, and "I this covered is his draft. Like he was a highly touted prospect. He's lived so, up to the expectations. He's he's had a great career, but." It did help that he played against Vancouver, and yes. I have to say, I watched this goal on, by, by Austin Matthews that Mike asked me to watch, and really, Vancouver had no idea where to set up on the ice. I I, I thought in the offseason, Travis Green would be in trouble, then I backed off a little bit. He is in trouble. I, I well, think a couple more games, he could be gone, because well, that team is it could be playoff-worthy, but not the way they're playing. You, you, Russ, you and I th think this, and I want to ask Kevin about this, because Elliot Friedman was on Toronto radio this morning, was asked the same thing about Travis Green being in trouble. And his thought is, with no fans in the stands, teams are not going – they're probably going to give coaches and general managers more rope because the last thing that mm -hmm. other the teams want to do is fire coaches and GMs and then incur more debt by hiring new coaches or GMs. Well, and then there's another issue, too, um, which was brought up to me, and that is uh, with everything that's going on with COVID protocols and understanding how everything is working and, um, you know, being, you know, part of the inner circle, like it would be really hard to change coaches now, like much more difficult than usual. Um, so would you rather fall out of the playoffs, though? And I think this, though. I think without fans, they were expecting to make the playoffs. Like they're they're expecting that. I feel like without fans, the coaches are more important than they've ever been. I really and I think I that, agree with that. I think that there's I think the motivation that you see the other night when we watched that game, Russ, and it was just like the first two periods were boring as hell, and it was the Bruins yeah. and the Flyers. And I'm like, these players are going to get tired of playing without people in the stands. The the that initial thing of they're playing again is gone. There really is there really is a thing, and I mean these are two top teams, two really tough teams. Well, it and does, you know, it, it, Eck, I want to say this. I'm sorry to interrupt. It does force us, you and me and people that are there, to focus in on other things. And I'll tell you what I focused in on. When they pulled Rask, Rask was really mad. But I don't think he was mad about the way he played or the way the game was going. I think he was mad that they were losing, right? And and I saw I saw him get a pat on the a pat on the head from uh, from his other goalie. And, and I was like, you know – all of a sudden they scored the goal and he was like this, like he was like really psyched that they, you know, they got within one and then they tied it and nobody was happier in the building that they tied it than to Rask. Like it seemed to yeah. literally made it make his night and Halak is a little bit older. Right. And he was like, sort yeah. of like, listen, I get it. It's just one of those games. And then it turned around and it really meant a lot to him. You would never see that or pay attention to that if there was a crowd because you would be distracted from that. You're so right. And remember there was one point in the game when um, a flyer player tripped a Bruin player that was like a 
it should have been called a penalty. And yeah. we, you, Russ and I are sitting directly across from the Avengers <laughs> bench, like so we can hear them talking sometimes. It's like they're 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 literally right. And and the whole bench, oh, you know, you heard this really yeah. loud sound, you know, in a dialing reading, and that's the first time I've ever heard an entire bench react to that, you know, like that that clearly in a game. Um, yeah, the Bruins were the Bruins were more fo- way more focused in in that game than the Flyers were for the entire game too. You can see that as well. And just the idea is, I mean, Rask though, I will say that Rask, you know, in in games I've watched this year, for whatever reason, is having a really hard time handling the puck. Like he is struggling with handling the puck just overall. And I don't, that's not, I mean, he's not the greatest puck handler, but he's usually not the worst either. He's not now one of the worst right now, at least. Well, one of the one of the interesting things about the and going back going back to COVID, unfortunately. Um, Ralph Kruger was diagnosed yesterday. The Sabres are supposed to come back, I believe, the 9th, uh, February 9th, which is early next week. Mm-hmm. He's likely not going to be cleared by then. So that means that he that, that either Don Granado or Steve Smith or Mike Bales, who are the assistant coaches, are going to have to coach the team until Kruger is back, or they bring up the AHL coach, and he coaches – uh, for for a game or two until Kruger is able to. So that, you know, I mean, the Sabres right now are in the mix right now for a playoff spot in the East, even though I don't, I don't think they're a legitimate playoff contender. But, you know, not having Kruger behind the bench is going to affect them, for, especially if, based on how long it's going to be. It's a big deal when the coach isn't there. You could say, well, they'll have him on the iPad or whatever, and they might, but it's not going to be the same. Did I hear right that for a while before they decided they weren't going to play Vegas' games that McCrimmon was going to coach? He did coach one game. He coach one game, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. That that's yeah, was, was, like that, that that's really like you know that's how you can't bring anybody else in, right? It, yeah. was, it was the AHL coaching staff and Kelly McCrimmon coaching that one game. Um, Frank Cervelli, if I read correctly, said today that two GMs have tested positive. Well, yeah, Chuck, Chuck Fletcher was one of them. He admitted it the other day. Okay. All right. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. All right. Yeah. And again, again, I want to say after last night's game that the uh, Florida Panthers are leading the NHL in attendance. Yeah. Um, they are. They uh, they are. You know, with and they're five zero and two. What happens when they're five zero and five? Are we still going to say they're undefeated in the NHL? Because I won't do it. I refuse regulation. to do it. In regulation, regulation. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. They have Nashville again, and you know that will be an interesting one. But then they have three games in a row against Tampa, so it's going to be interesting to see how long they hold this not winning and re- not losing. Yeah. Regular. Next week's schedule though <laughs> is an in- interesting thing because uh, the Devils are supposed to come in on the 11th and the 13th. Are they going to be ready to play, or are they going to have someone else for the Flyers to play, or the Flyers just not going to play anybody? Like that's yeah. At this Next point. schedule for a lot of teams is probably in flux. You could see another team move in, like like yeah. St. Louis and Arizona. And I think that that that's probably what's going to end up happening. Now, now, before we end the show, yep, go ahead. We got to get our Super Bowl predictions yep. in. Mm-hmm. Uh, act, since you're the football expert, <laughs> we'll go with you first. Again, I played twelve years. I know football. that's what I'm saying. I was the quarterback in my high in my high school. I do like football. I understand football. Um, all right, but I just you know, um, no, I think that uh, I think this is going to be. I think Brady's going to win. I just think that I think there's something about it. I I don't know. It feels like it feels to me like this is just he's going to win in Tampa. It it's, it's just it feels like that's the kind of thing that happens during a COVID year. So give us okay. a score. Um, thirty-three to twenty-eight. Okay. Okay. Russ, I'm going to go thirty-eight, thirty-one, Kansas City. The stat that really got me was that Mahomes was something like 15 for 15 on third downs in the playoffs. He's like almost unflappable. And I, I know the line is a little beat up, but yeah. I think it's still about Mahomes. Um, Kevin? 28-27, Brady. Okay. Yep. Uh, I, I have 34-31 Tampa Bay, and uh, I predict no one will watch the halftime. I Nobody. I, I will be watching hockey fights. Actually, they just voted. I don't know who, but a bunch of people just voted. Coldplay was the best halftime show ever in the Super Bowl in the history of the Super Bowl, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, oh, please. really?" Coldplay. I don't even know who the halftime is? Who was the halftime? Uh, a guy named the. It's a something called the Weekend, which are there. Yes. Uh, it's a more. Kev, you didn't see a hundred of those commercials even on the NHL. Really? I mean, guys like my daughter and stuff like Everybody's that. Everybody's walking around whistling and singing They're his song. Fired up, and- fired up about it. I mean, we're old. That he's got one. No, no, I get it. But my hey, daughter. Here's the funny up. thing: how many people from your daughter's age 
to the age of 25 are hardcore football fans. No, but they're actually going to pay attention. They will watch the Super Bowl. They will. Like my daughter's coming home from college to watch the Super Bowl. She just wanted okay. to do it. It's like, and she's, I'm, yeah, it's just, they, it's a, it's an, it's a American thing. You know, it's weird. All right. And, and in Buffalo, the pizza places are taking orders for Sunday now. Yeah. They're they're, they're they're booking up their orders on. Oh, Thursday. listen! I ordered my wings on Tuesday, Mike. I had to order them on Tuesday if I really wanted to make sure. There's one wing place here that is like better than everybody else, and I had to put the order in on Tuesday. <laughs> we should have talked about this yesterday because our guest Dave Cook has played the Super Bowl with Taylor Swift as a. As oh a, yeah, that's true. Pretty funny, and uh, I wonder what that. I would. I could have asked him what that was like because I really that that's got to be an insanely crazy thing. In normal. I mean, this year is going to be different, but in a normal time, my gosh, I can't imagine. All right, guys, that's all the time we have. Kevin, thank you. It's always wonderful having you here. Um, remember, folks, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Have a great weekend. We will. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.